Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Caroline, and I am here today with Tim, and we both work at the Litchfield Park Branch Library. On our podcast today, we will be discussing several graphic novels you can download from Hoopla. If you have never used Hoopla before, it is very easy to download and set up on a smartphone, pad, or streaming device. The graphic novels we will be discussing today have Silver Age comic heroes that I read when I was younger, many, many moons ago. The Sil Silver Age comic heroes on are Superman, The Flash, and Green Lantern. The graphic novels we decided to read are The Man of Steel, Superman Action Comics, Invisible Mafia, The Flash Rebirth Deluxe Edition, The Green Lantern Volume 1 Intergalactic Lawman, and The Green Lantern Volume 2 The Day the Stars Fell. All right, then, let's get started with The Man of Steel. Okay, so Caroline, uh, what is your experience with Superman? Okay, Superman, I, I was more of a Wonder Woman reader. So Superman, I learned about, let's see, I watched the old reruns of the Superman TV show, and then I got a few of the comics. They would usually be like um, uh, Brave and the Bold type of thing, where you'd be teamed up with Batman. And there were a few Supermans that were just uh, the comic books alone. And, of course, I really enjoyed watching the uh, movies with Christopher Reeves. Hi. Uh, well, I think that's a good jumping-off point because one of the things I think about Brian Michael Bendis' run on Superman, which starts in the Man of Steel miniseries and runs through Action Comics and Superman, uh, which are two different comic book lines. But one of the things I think that really highlights his run is how much his Superman feels like the Christopher Reeve Superman, where he's just a almost relentlessly nice, yes. positive force in the world. Yeah, he's, he's very aw shucks and adjust my glasses. I would call him, uh, as uh, a character in the um, graphic novel said, good old American farm boy. Yeah, and I think one of the, the fun things about the character, especially in this run that we see, is early on, especially, he's very much... No matter who you are, Superman's there to help. Even if you're trying to kill Superman, <laughs> he's still trying to help you. And there are very few characters, especially in modern day, that I think espouse that ethos. Yes. What is it that, that he always says whenever, it, whenever he comes up to a villain? It's something like, many people have been in this position before. And before he, it's like he's trying to talk the guy down. Yes. Many people have always been in the position of where they think they have Superman on the ropes. Uh -huh. And in reality, he's just sort of let them punch him a couple of times uh -huh. in order to you know, get to know what they're doing. Uh -huh. And he knows he'll win because he's Superman uh -huh. and because he always wins. Right. 
And it seems it gets to the point that he's like offering people psychological help. Yeah, he when somebody I think jokingly says that they have uh, they'll have like nightmares about a certain situation. He very like forthrightly offers the help of a few psychologists that he knows, yeah. <laughs> and he he takes it completely seriously. And he still offers to help because he's Superman, and that's what he's here for. Mm -hmm. I think this run captures that pretty well. Uh, One thing that I was a little worried about going in is that uh, Bendis has this reputation of being very uh, stretched out. But I didn't get that feeling at all from his Superman run. It's very, every issue has lots of action in it. Every issue has lots of movement. And I think that you can read individual chapters and come away from it feeling like you've read a good Superman Mm -hmm. story. Yeah. Um, So how does this Superman compare to you, to the Silver Age Superman? Oh, he's totally the same He's even seems nicer to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was very um, happy with um, reading these two graphic novels with uh, The Man of Steel and also with um, Superman Action Comics and Invisible Mafia. Um, it was just kind of what I thought Superman would be. Yeah. I think these are two very disparate plots for the overarching plots for the graphic novels, and they lead into each other. Well, Man of Steel leads into action comics, but Man of Steel deals with this intergalactic threat, and action comics deals with a mystery about who's burning down some buildings. And they he goes from literally this threat that wipes out planets uh-huh. to... Somebody's burning down buildings. <laughs> Superman's got to figure out who. Yeah. And while it does involve supervillains, obviously, what carries through is Superman's personal dynamic, where the storyline with Lois and his family right. and things like that. Um, there's something in this in in the comics that I thought was really funny. We all know that Superman basically is, he has so much power, it's unbelievable. And one of the powers that he has is that he has super hearing. And the underground mafia, the the invisible mafia, the group that is the, the villains of Metropolis, make sure that they don't say specific words. Because he will hear those words and know that there's something going on. Yeah, Superman is never not Superman, even when he's Clark Kent. And so, because he can hear pretty much everything, Mm -hmm. he's keyed himself in on being able to hear certain things like help or uh, stop and stuff like that. Or specifically, words like kryptonite. Right. And so he knows when people are talking about, like, his weaknesses. And that kind of come, can come across as creepy, except that in the way it's presented, he never does it, like, with malicious intent, and he never pries into people's lives. 
he can't help that he can hear everything. Uh, he just sort of focuses in on specific things that may cause the need for Superman to arise. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the, the fine lines that the comic runs where it presents Superman as this nearly unstoppable force. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but he's always like just so nice about everything yeah. that in a like lesser hands it could almost come across as like pandering but the writing in it is so skilled and so genuine that superman feels very like just such a positive force oh yeah it, and it's such a positive um they're both such positive graphic novels yes uh i i would definitely say that i i enjoyed these uh quite a bit and I, I fully recommend them for anybody who wants to read about, like, a classic-style hero. So, moving on then, uh, what is your uh, history with The Flash? Well, The Flash that I always knew was um, Barry Allen. And I know about um, Jay Garrick, and mostly because I've read the um, JSA different comic books, uh, just, just uh, Society of America. And I knew that there was Wally West, who was Kid Flash, but Barry Allen was always my Flash. He was always the one that um, I read about. So I knew his background story, and I have to admit that coming into this, I was worried that there's been so many speed or speedsters, there's been so many Flashes that it would be like, well, this is going to be a different Flash. It's not going to be my... Barry Allen. And also, I really loved the first um, Flash TV show. Um, do you remember the name of the actor? John Wesley Shipp. John Wesley Shipp. Yeah, that, I, I thought that was great. And, and that was, that came out more because of the Batman movies and um, it wasn't like today where you have superhero TV shows over and over again. So I, I knew him from that TV show. And then I did watch for a while the, the Flash that is now on, I think it's a CW. So, and that is pretty much the background story and what I know about the Flash. So I will say that the Flash is one of, if not my favorite superhero. And I really enjoy Joshua Williamson's run on The Flash. And I think the key thing about this, this Flash volume, because it's the deluxe edition, the beginning of his run on The Flash, and it's 13 issues. And I, like I said, the key thing about it is that it's very much a modern superhero comic. Whereas Superman is almost a throwback to the classic Superman of old, this is very much Barry Allen in a modern setting with uh, modern writing tropes attached to him. So it is a little bit stretched out. It is a little bit more wordy. Mm -hmm. But that being said, it's really good. No, it is. Of all the graphic novels that we read for this podcast, this is this is my favorite one. I, I so enjoyed the character 
And um, I also enjoy the writing, even though it is very dense. There is a lot of writing. There's a lot of storytelling going on. Yes, and I think compared to the the last item that we're going to discuss, I would say the writing is while it's denser, it is a lot more straightforward. Mm-hmm. Uh, characters speak almost like they're in a police procedural sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's... Well, that would make sense because they're police officers, Barry, yeah. Barry is a CSI. Right. And I think that uh, one of the key things is how much it expands the Flash universe in the opening, like, deluxe edition volume by creating this Speed Force storm. So in the Silver Age, the Flash had super speed, Kid Flash had super speed, and Reverse Flash had super speed. And there were on and off other people who had Mm -hmm. super speed. But for the most part, it was those three. Right. Um, And obviously, Jay Garrick, but Mm -hmm. he was also the Flash. Right. So it was sort of their purview. Mm -hmm. And in this comic, we get the Speed Force Storm, which gives a bunch of people super speed. And that did worry me because I really don't like there being too many speedsters. Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't want there to be at the end of this twenty new you know new um, speedster superheroes. Yeah. So yeah. And I think it it toes that line pretty well of not going too far uh-huh. uh, with it, and not to give away too many spoilers, but. Yeah, I, I just, I want the fastest man alive to be Barry Allen. Yes, and I, I think that is a, a key point in this volume, that Barry Allen is sort of the fought, fastest man alive, but he's also running into people who now can rival him, and it's not just reverse flash anymore. It's a bunch of people can sort of rival him, and they're all sort of draining away at him. Mm-hmm. And it, it plays with the idea that all of these speedsters are pulling from a, the same source. Right. And when everybody pulls from the same source, you get less power for everyone. Right. But it does it in such a way that I think that all of the characters come across pretty positively. Even a few of them that have heel turns are still fairly positive additions um, in that they, they expand Barry Allen's story. They expand the story of the Flash and the world of the Flash. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, there was another thing that I always want to stay the same, and that is... Barry is in love with Iris and will always be in love with Iris. And this story actually had another love interest and kind of said, well, Barry and Iris are just friends, but then they go out on a date. And so, yeah, at at one point I was worried. I'm like, is he going to be with Mina? Because he's supposed to be with Iris. So... Yeah, I uh, I do enjoy how that was sort of like played around with because obviously the story of the Flash 
as far as the Barry Allen Flash, always includes Iris. Right. It's kind of like a Lois Lane um, Superman kind of thing. Yeah. There, there's never really been Barry without Iris around, right. uh, as far as like in the public consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I enjoyed the Flash quite a bit, and I'm biased about it because I love the Flash in general. But I think it's an excellent example of modern superhero storytelling, and decompression isn't always necessarily a bad thing. This, this story really was served by having long chapters that told bits of the story at once. You know, it, it, you really got to know the character um, because we're talking about how positive Superman is. Well, the Flash is very positive, and the Flash is a pretty good role model. Um, he is very concerned about others and caring about others, and he loves to teach others. So his take on when there's a bunch of new speedsters is, hey, there's new people I can train and help to learn how to deal with their new powers. I, I think that's a good, a really good point, because we're talking about like two characters who are essentially good people and who are essentially nice people, but they're good and they're nice in very different ways. Barry is very much a teacher and a mentor and likes taking people under his wing and he likes having a Flash family. Mm-hmm. Whereas Superman, he is a good mentor and he is nice, but he's also just generally like he will do that for every single person. Uh-huh. <laughs> it doesn't really like matter if they have powers or if they need mentorship he'll look out for you no matter what you just have to ask and superman will show up Uh, whereas the flash is very much like focused on his his thing going on and i think that's it's good to see the variation in what it means to be a good person because it's different Mm -hmm. it's different for everyone and it's different for the flash and for superman and that's really neat to be able to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think The Flash is an excellent, excellent story. The first three deluxe volumes, so 13 issues apiece, are all available on Hoopla, and they're definitely worth a good read. Uh, so that brings us to our last item, which is The Green Lantern by Grant Morrison, the first two volumes of season one. And I will preface The Green Lantern by saying that it really enjoys some of the Silver Age wackiness of Green Lantern. And it plays completely straight the the more silly aspects of Silver Age books. Well. I have to say that my experience with um, Green Lantern before reading these graphic novels was very much more down to earth. He was always teamed up with either The Flash or Green Arrow, and um, I, I never really saw any kind of intergalactic kind of things that you see in in these graphic novels. And it did have the the silliness of... Basically, his ring can do anything that he can come up with. 
any uh, anything that he can imagine the ring will do. So if um, that's where you get giant green hands or um, the Justice League needs to go into space, so he'll create a big bubble to put them in so they have oxygen. So you know that there's going to be some kind of wacky things with that. But with this run of comic books, it just took it to another level. It is just so far out. It's it's just, I don't know how else to say it's amazing. All, all the, the different, uh, the planets and the different um, aliens. And there's even fantasy planets where they bring in almost Lord of the Rings kind of things. And it's... It's just really wild. Yeah, it's it's a comic that I know I, I was talking about decompression with the Flash. There is no decompression with Green La- the Green Lantern because every single issue and chapter is jam packed with everything that can be thrown in. <laughs> And every panel is dense, and every word bubble is filled with stuff you need to know or should know. And it can be a very, like, well, just dense read. Well, and the different characters come at you in the different worlds fast and furious every page. There, And it's the Green Lantern Corps, and they have um, different members from different um, planets, and they're just, there's so much imagination put into this. The character that I think is the funniest, and he's actually an older character, is this character that is actually living lava, and his head is an exploding volcano. <laughs> and when I first saw him, I'm like, does this character have a volcano head? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the, the answer is yes. <laughs> I... Yeah, there's stuff like that every single chapter where, and that character is reoccurring, and he's just a normal member of the Green Lantern right. Corps. Right, it's just they take it for granted that his head is constantly exploding lava, and even when he speaks, he'll they'll have they'll have the words, and then you'll hear little sounds that are supposed to sound like rumbling and and lava erupting yeah. and and. Going, touching on your point right. of just how much creativity goes into everything, it's really pulling from every source available for Green Lantern and really highlighting the fact that Green Lantern is supposed to live in this wacky, almost wild DC universe where Green Lanterns come in all shapes and sizes. There's a sentient virus that is a Green Lantern. Oh, yes, I know. Oh, that was so gross. <laughs> he, he gets people sick to stop them. Right. He's a living virus. Yes. He, he, yeah. He and he lo- teams up with someone else, so it's like he gets sneezed out. <laughs> yes. Uh, there are bugs that are Green Lanterns. There are planets that are Green Lanterns. There are... So many different variations, and that's just in the regular DC universe. And, and see, I had no experience with that because, like I said, it was all just Hal Jordan, 
and I understood that he was a, uh, a test pilot and that he became the Green Lantern from uh, another Green Lantern who had been an alien. So I understood that there were other Green Lanterns out there, but I never really saw them because everything was so much more down to earth. And then this was just totally different from what my, my expectations would have been. I, I've tried to like stay away from spoilers because it's very hard to discuss what happens in the story for the comic without giving away some stuff because so much happens. I don't think you're going to really give away very much because so much happens. Yeah, that's you, true. You know, you could say one little thing, but that's the scope of this is just huge. At one point, he meets up with Green Lanterns from a different universe, from like the multiverse. So you get like the Green Lantern, who's also Batman. And he exists in a different multiverse and things like that. So not only do you get this galaxy of Green Lanterns in the main universe, you get Green Lanterns from other universes. You get, uh, there's times Caroline touched upon where it's almost like a fantasy comic. <laughs> and everything about it is over the top in the best way. And I think that's one thing that really separates it from a lot of modern comics is that even like action comics, like I was saying, Superman is investigating who's setting some buildings on fire. And meanwhile, in outer space, Hal Jordan is like fighting this intergalactic fight <laughs> against an organization that is partially run by a space vampire who's a countess. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's very hard to just wrap around the sheer scope of Green Lantern. The Green Lantern, mm -hmm. I should say. Oh we were talking about all the different Green Lanterns, and you were talking about the Batman one. The One of the ones we thought was so funny, though, was the groovy Green Lantern. Yes. He comes from, like, a universe that's stuck in the 1960s. Yes. And there's no other way to sort of put it. He's, he's essentially the hippie Green Lantern. Yeah. Yeah. And he gets his... Uh, his orders from the, I believe it's the Cosmic Guru. Yeah, the Cosmic Guru. And everything about him is both great and weird at the same time. It's just so funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's there. There are so many different Green Lanterns, and every issue you're jumping from one uh, concept to another while telling one story. And by the end of the second volume, you can see clearly where the story went. And I think that's to the credit with everything that's going on. By the end of the second volume, you are you pretty much know exactly what's going on and why. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting because you're going along and you've, like I said, it's like every page is a different world, a different group of Green Lanterns trying to figure out what's going on. And then in the end, it goes back to the beginning of the story, kind of to wrap things up. And I thought that was, because I had actually forgotten. <laughs> so then I'm like, wait a minute, this happened like, you know, at, at the, the first volume. And all of a sudden, 
it pops up again at the end of the second volume. It's it's very very well done and very layered while still being very creative. It is as I was saying, very fast and furious, and it's not necessarily for everyone, especially if you're a fan of something like um, something a little bit more slower, more personal, and like down to earth. <laughs> yeah, I really think you need to be a, a fan of science fiction to yeah, yeah to like this, um, or have read different um, science fiction. Um, graphic novels and comic books before. Um, yeah. I, I think it's pretty clear both you and I enjoyed reading Green Lantern. Yeah, we enjoyed it a lot, but it was just so bizarre. I, I remember multiple times where uh, I would go up to Caroline and ask, so are you to hear in the story yeah. and being like, what happened? <laughs> no, we would be, I would be like, Tim, are we inside of Green Lantern's ring? And yeah. you're like, um, cause you didn't want to give it away. Then I'm like, okay, yeah, we are now, it, Green Lantern's ring is actually like its own living little universe. Well, and the reason why that is, is, because hearkening back to the Silver Age, there's a wizard trapped inside of him. <laughs> and that that sounds like a joke, but it's it's absolutely that's the reason. Right. Is that there's a wizard called Mirwiden who's trapped inside the Green Lantern mm-hmm. ring. And when Hal Jordan ends up inside his ring, it's like a little fantasy universe in there. You're right. It's it's pretty it's pretty tremendous how it calls back to that, but it also when you read it for the first time, if you don't know what's going on, it's just so incredibly strange. Right, right. And I do admit at the beginning of this, I'm like, what did Tim get me into? And then after a while, I just went with it. Yes. And that it's definitely a story that works best if you just sort of go with it. Right. <laughs> and by the end, it just becomes this epic fantasy sci-fi story mm-hmm. about this one guy who just wants to help make sure the universe doesn't collapse in on itself. Right. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, Thank you for joining Caroline and I as we discussed a few classic DC Comics superheroes. I would like to remind our listeners that every title we discussed today is available on Hoopla. Please join us again in a few weeks when we flip the coin and discuss a few classic Marvel heroes and where they're at now. Thank you again, and have a terrific week. Yes, have a great week. Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ.